Can Big Blue stop the bleeding? Win a game, please. We'll preview the Giants matchup Sunday with the Saints in the Big Easy. Will the Giants pick up their first win of the season? Our special guest this week will be snapping the ball to Daniel Jones on Sunday. It's their center, Billy Price. So come on down for a new episode of Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts, but give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Joining us later in the show will be Giants' newest offensive lineman, their center, The Price is Right. It's Billy Price joining the show a little bit later on. We'll also have Jeremy Layton with Jay Lay's plays for NFL Week 4 in the fantasy and betting world. But now your host of Blue Rush, our two-time Super Bowl champion kicker, the Scotsman, Lawrence Tynes. And he makes a mean matzo ball soup. It's Giants beat writer for the post, Paul Schwartz. Guys, Giants looking to avoid an 0-4 start down in the Big Easy on Sunday. Take it away, Lawrence. Yeah, this game has got challenge written all over it. And when you're 0-3 going, you know, from past experiences playing down in New Orleans and the amount of emotion that we'll get into is going to be in that building. It's not looking good, Paul. Not looking good for this team. That's not the place you want to go play when you're 0-3. Yeah, I mean, they call it the Big Easy, right? I mean, why do they call it the Big Easy in terms of in terms of football? This is like the big impossible almost going to a game like that. But, you know, before we look ahead to the Saints, I think what happens a lot of times with these coaches, they always say, well, it's not about the other team. It's about us, right? It's about our execution. It's about we got to clean our own house first. And this week with the Giants, I almost felt a little bit of a turning point, Lawrence, um, being around the building, being around the facility. More eyes on Joe Judge than I've ever felt in his, what, 16, 19 games. Just a little more, you know, it it was Daniel Jones last year. It was um, certainly Jason Garrett this year. It's the offensive line. But now I'm sensing that Joe Judge, he he was a little bit defensive about a few things he talked about on Wednesday. And look, at some point, it's got to come back on the head coach, right? It always does. It does. Absolutely has to come back to him. And he knows that. This team is... What are we, 6-13 and 13 under his management? That's not real good. And listen, I am a believer in Joe Judge. I like him a lot. I think he's the right guy. But he is the captain of the ship. And their record, as Bill Parcells famously said, you are what your record says you are. And they're not very good. I don't know that he makes changes. Uh, obviously, you know my stance on Jason Garrett. I, I feel like he is the problem, the biggest problem on this football team. And I'm not going to back down from that. I really think he is. Yeah, listen, they should be on him. He's uh, He has not done the job or he has not gotten his point across. And people are starting to chirp a little bit. When you start hearing chirping. Yep, there were two, two issues that Joe Judge had to deal with on Wednesday. The first one was about, you know, again, about his analytics and, you know, not going for it on fourth and four from the Atlanta 39. We talked about this. We talked about the wind. You're not going to send Graham Gano, as you said, out for a 56-yard field goal, but wanted to punt him deep. We get all that. You know, he, he punted him deep to the five-yard line. That worked out. The analytics today say if you're on the other team's 50 or you're closer, you know, you're in their territory, punting, it's diminished returns, right? 
people want to go for it now more on fourth down. So Joe Judge was asked about that, and he said, you know, do you look do you look at analytics? Do you look at this and say, you know, it's really not – the analytics say, you know, don't punt the ball away a lot. And he said something very interesting. He said analytics is just a tool. It's nice to look at the numbers and how they go through the flow of the game, but the analytics change based on the opponent, based on who you have available for the game and how the flow of the game is going too. Here was the money line, Okay. You can look at the statute all you want. I promise you, if Excel was going to win football games, Bill Gates would be killing it right now. Oh, how long later did he in, spend? He didn't just come off the cuff with that. Later in the afternoon, I looked on Twitter, and it, Joe Judge is, is trending. Okay, then I see right under Joe Judge's name, it says Bill Gates. So Joe Judge and Bill Gates were, were trending. You know, I, I get his point. I get his point. You, you know, you can say, well, you should punt. You should do this. You have to know the wind. You have to know... Uh, the opponent, your 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 defense, but this is a, an example of when, when things don't work out, you're wrong, even if you're right. I agree. I think the biggest concern I was thinking about this this week since the game ended on Sunday is who is the emotional leader of this football team moving forward? Blake Martinez is out, and Nick Gates is out. I know I know what Sterling Shepard brings to the table, and I love him. I think he's a great player, a great leader. I worry about who the dog is, right? We always talk about a dog on the football team, Antrell Rolls, the Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaws, the guys that I played with. Who is the dog? He is a dog. I don't know who it is. You know, the, that defense is awfully quiet. Logan Ryan is, is a great speaker and a great ambassador for the team and defensively. But Jabril Preppers is, has been that, that's oddly. Be, Lawrence. Well, no, he's no. been very quiet this year, right? He no. doesn't. His role is kind of up in the air. Is he gonna? Is he a starter anymore? Do we know what he is? He has not played well. He should I'll say be. that he is the dog. But right, the dog D A W G dog. In order for the dog to bark, he has to be on the field and he has to be producing. I mean, Antro Roll was the was the quintessential guy like that. It's a dog, but he also never came off the field and never he played his ass off. off. Field. So and, so that's yep. different. And you know, Daniel Jones with the little electricity there in the game where he ran through a defensive lineman is obviously a, a good leader. But Nick Gates, man, he, that's a big missing piece. You know, the chirpiness. Who's going to step up in that role? Maybe that's a question we can ask our guest when he comes on. All these offensive linemen have to learn each other's names before they can lead some. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, they, they're just a bunch of guys right now. Uh, a second thing I wanted to ask you about that Joe Judge was even more honed in on and people were getting on a little bit is this whole conditioning thing, which I don't know why this is an issue now. Um, remember Golden Tate, the Giants receiver? He went on NFL Network Wednesday morning and, you know, was saying something. He did not trash the Giants. He did not trash Joe Judge, but he did say, look, that conditioning stuff, I think they got to chill out with that because they had a really hard week of practice last week and they did a lot of conditioning. And lo and behold, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton go down with hamstring injuries. Now, I am not sure there's a correlation between that, but Joe Judge is getting some heat for this whole, you're the Belichick wannabe, you're the, the, you're the Nick Saban wannabe, you're, you're running these guys to the ground. And the interesting thing was on Wednesday is always, as you know, that's the really meaty practice, right? Two hours, you work on the other team, you install everything. Yesterday, the media gets a, a little email that says uh, there's a change in the practice. Instead of being 1230, practice is 1030, and it's 40, it's 55 minutes, and it's a walkthrough. So people said, well, that's really weird. I said that's really weird. And it was like, well, is he kind of pushing back because of this conditioning? Joe Judge said, no, this was pre-planned. You just guys just, you know, I didn't tell you until yesterday, but it was pre-planned. And he came, Lawrence, 
with a, a sheet. And he went through all the injuries last year and the metrics and how all our soft tissue injuries were down and this and that. He was ticked off that this is an issue now. And, and it's just interesting. It's just something moving forward we need to watch because the dynamic with Joe Judge now is just a little bit more tense than it ever has been. Everything's an issue when you lose, Paul. You know that. So conditioning is going to be an issue. Next thing you know, it'll be the food that they're eating is not good enough. Everything's an issue right now. Everyone's ticked off in the whole building. The building is pissed off from the ticket people to the people in, that cook the food to the janitor to anyone in that building. I am ticked off. We don't even work in the building. So um, they need to, to figure out a way to fix it. But listen, this is a truly, truly, truly tough task going down to, to New Orleans. I mean, we'll talk about that more in detail, but I just, I don't see how they, they, they even come, come close this weekend. They're just not offensively. There's nothing there. I, I just don't think they have a chance. Now, offensively, Kenny Galladay, you know, they signed him for what, $72 million, right? And and Kenny Galladay's numbers, he was what I think for, in, in 2019 was the last year he played a full season. He was first in the NFL with 17 receptions of 25 or more yards. He was second in the NFL with 22 receptions of 20 or more yards. He was second in the NFL with 12 receptions of 30 yards, right? Definition, big play receiver down the field. He comes to the Giants. All right, he's averaging 15 yards a catch. As long as catch is only 19 yards. He was asked about that. Now, let's let's remember, Kenny Galladay was the guy who yelled at Jason Garrett in Washington, right? Your friend, Jason Garrett. Your friend in Washington. Kenny Galladay is my favorite player. Yeah, okay. He, you know what? Kenny Galladay yelled at Jason Garrett, and, and instead of fans saying, that's a bad attitude. As we said, fans wanted to, you know, knight him for sainthood after that. He was asked, why have you not been having, you know, that kind of downfield action here with the Giants? And he said, I don't really have an answer to that. Please translate. You you were a player. Translate what that means. Well, I tweeted it earlier. I just got paid. I don't want to rock the boat. And Jason Garrett's scheme sucks. That's what he's saying. It absolutely stinks. He's running curls. He's running slants. He's running stupid routes. That's why all these hamstrings are popping. They're running these short burst routes. Just let them run freely up the field. Get the muscles extended a little bit. Is that really um, what Kenny Galladay was and saying? And by the way, I'm, I, I've been kind of, I'm a, you know, I'm a Twitter nerd and I love Twitter. You can just take I the feel, Twitter part out, but okay. I feel like the New York media has gotten soft, including you, Paul. Whoa. Listen. Nobody has went after Jason Garrett. Every single writer has defended him or moved on to some other bullcrap subject as to, well, if we move him now, what's that going to fix? What happened to the New York media? Okay, you, well, he, he, you here's, know, here's, you know here's, hold on, I'm not finished. Let oh, me finish. Uh, you're finished. Hold on, well, go ahead. Let me finish. <laughs> I'm going to say this. You guys, Jason Garrett must be a source for every freaking rider on that team because no one has went after him except me. So I'm going to get welcomed with open arms in October 17th. Well, hold on, wait, wait, hold on, wait. Because wait, I'm the only wait. one that will speak up about this guy. Wait, can I put you on and pause I- a second? Hold on, hold on one second. Jason, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll call you back in five minutes. Okay? Yep, that, I just gotta, listen, I just gotta, I just that's gotta fine. Podcast, that's fine. Jason. And then okay, uh, call, I'll, I'll me talk, call, call me coach. Call me coach. Call me coach. Call me coach. Okay, well, here, here's what one member of the New York media does, okay? I don't just sit there and pontificate. I called a former Giants quarterback yesterday, Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins was on the Giants when Jim Fossil demoted Sean Payton, right? This is Look at this storyline I'm giving us. Sean Payton, who the Giants play this week in New Orleans, right? He was the quarterback's coach. He was calling plays with Jim Fossil. They made a change. They went from scoring like 12 points a game to 25 points a game. They made the playoffs. They scored 38 points in the playoffs and lost, but they did. So 
changing the play caller made a big difference. I asked Kerry about that. He said it definitely made a difference. I asked him about, well, should they just get rid of the offensive coordinator after three games? And Kerry, who was a quarterback in the league for 15 or 16 years, said it makes no sense to fire an offensive coordinator after three weeks. So that's what the New York media this does is what's here. Wrong. It's not after three weeks. It's 19 games. But it's not the, three weeks. The point is you don't change anything by doing it now. You don't do it. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. too soon. It's too soon for that. It's a panic move. It's too soon. Okay. You know, we're just, the, the whole, this whole thing is just, we're just bogged down on Jason Garrett. It's like there's a leak over here and there's like 50 leaks and everyone's worrying about the Jason Garrett leak. It's He's the part, problem. It's part of the problem. It's part of the problem. What do they suck at? Everything that you look at offensively, they struggle in red zone. Third down conversions. I mean, it's been that way for two years. Scoring points. It's offensive problem. Defense is not their problem. They're off to a slow start. I'm not worried about the defense. I'm really not. Long they term, would be. They would be one okay. and two if the defense had its head out of its new. You know what? In Washington, because they scored 29 points. I, I agree with you. They need to score more points. There's no question about that. They're one of the worst offensive teams in a league last year, and this year they're they're scoring you know one and a half points more a game. I get that. There's no question about that, but it's not. I think firing people is the last resort. Okay, now if Jason Garrett has a meeting with Joe Judge and push comes to shove, and they somebody lunges for the guy's neck on the other side of the table, like Mark Colombo did last year, then they'll fire him. Until there's then, something, there's something happen. brewing along those lines. I, I promise you. I think a change is coming if we don't see significant. I think you know what I think is brewing. I think if you call out me and the New York media again. I'm going to be lunging across some table. Hey, and there's going to be something. I'm, just, I'm questioning us. your guys' toughness. Lawrence just called you Mr. Softy. So you vanilla chocolate I, or swirl, Paul? I, I mean, know. I want to see some heads on spikes. I'll take that from a linebacker. Certainly oh, a lineman. the kicker. Maybe the kicker a defensive joke. back. Certain, certain safeties, not cornerbacks. A kicker? Come on. A All right. Kicker? Well, maybe there's a change Monday. And, you know, it starts Sunday. The Giants, you know, new season starts Sunday. So preview the game. Let's start with you, Lawrence. Giants, Saints in New Orleans, 1 o'clock on Fox. The Saints are 7.5-point favorites. The over-under is pretty low here, 41.5. Make your pick, Lawrence. I want to see some professional pride from this Giants football team. And anyone that plays the game knows – Tom Coughlin was a big proponent of professional pride. Look at yourself in the mirror. They're just not good enough. No way do they go to New Orleans and beat them after they haven't played in front of their home crowd in two years. I'm going to say the Saints win 30-17. to 17. 17 points for Jason Garrett's crew, huh? Not bad. Okay. Um, it's look, about right, though. Two starting offensive linemen for the Saints are not going to be in, in this game. They're hurt. The left tackle, Teron Armstead, elbow. Uh, the center, Eric McCoy, calf. I don't think either of them are going to play. Armstead's definitely not going to play. Can they get some pressure on Jameis Winston with backup offensive linemen in the game? Possibly. I think they might be able to do that. Look, Jameis Winston's only completing 60% of his passes. Alvin Kamara is off to a good but not a great start. Having said all that, I've been in that building, Lawrence. I've been in that building. You can't hear anything. These fans in New Orleans have not seen their Saints play live in like 600 and 50 days or something like that. Don't forget, they have not been had any home games this year. They had to go because of Hurricane Ida. They had to leave town. This is their homecoming. This is their game. And guess what? They scheduled the Giants for their homecoming. 31, what did you say, 30-17? I can't mimic that. Yeah, I'll say 31 
21. I think the Giants score some points. Not Ooh, enough. explosive offense. Yeah, I'm going to say 20 for the Giants. I'm going to go 24-20 Saints. Joining us next on the show is Giants center, Billy Price. Joining us now on Blue Rush is their newest center. He spent his first three seasons of his career in Cincinnati with the Bengals before the Giants acquired him at the end of August in his trade. He was on the PFWA All-Rookie Team in 2018. He's a first-round pick out of the Ohio State, where he was a unanimous All-American and first-team All-Big Ten. We don't have a new car to offer him, but let's have our guest come on down to Blue Rush. It's number 69. Nice. The pride of Austintown, Ohio Center Billy Price. Billy, it's Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, and Paul Schwartz. Welcome to Blue Rush. How is uh, life in New York? You've been here a month. You know, it's a different life than Cincinnati by a mile, I'd imagine. How uh, how you enjoy New York? Yeah, so far so good. I'm um, getting used to this whole, uh, the traffic out here is a little bit different. And uh, the people, I always give, I give our equipment guys because they've got that hard jersey accent. I always give them a lot of trash in the morning because some of their lingo and whatnot. And uh, getting used to this Taylor Ed ham and cheese deal versus pork roll. So it's a, uh, it's, <laughs> cultural difference over here between New Jersey and New York. So, but so far so good. Hey, Billy, Lawrence Stein. Hey, thanks for coming on. Welcome to New York. Um, I checked you out. You're a smart guy. All academic Big Ten started the most games in Ohio State history. I don't know if you mentioned that, Jake. What's been the most difficult part of getting traded late in the season? Is it the playbook? Is this playbook complex or is it an easy playbook or there's offensive line, offensive line? So there are some elements. So I think the first and the most obvious aspect of the difference is being that I spent five weeks in training camp with Cincinnati and, and getting that lingo, getting those reps in that system, and then to be able to get to, to be traded to a completely different system, different type of offense, different type of division. It's been a little difficult. But the good thing is, is there's a lot of carryover because Jason Garrett was with my old offensive line coach in Cincinnati. So the system, the lingo, some of the terms, everything is very, very similar. So that's been a plus. Hey, Billy, it's Paul Schwartz. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, and this is a serious question. Do you know all the names of the guys in the room? Because first of all, you're new. Second of all, there are new guys newer than you coming in and out. So, you know, everyone talks about the offensive line. You're like one unit, you know, you're very close. Do you know everybody yet? Do you know where everyone's from and their names and their backgrounds? I mean, it's all so new. Yeah, it is new. For the guys that are in, that have been in the building uh, or the guys who have been there since, you know, since I got there, I do know their names, know where they're from, colleges, et cetera. But part of the reason is because, again, I've, I've, I'm married. And so when you get a wife and all of a sudden they're like, hey, you know, hey, who of your teammates is married? Who can I hang out with during games and whatnot? So you kind of get to know each other pretty quickly via that. And then also the personalities within the locker room and then going out there on the field and playing. So, and even the new guys, the new guys coming in. I mean, we had two guys, two brand new guys coming in today, constantly evolving. And that's the, that's the name of the NFL game. So when you grew up, were you a Buckeye fan growing up? Actually, I wanted to go to the University of Texas for a while. Super strange. So I was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. I've got baby pictures in Nebraska Cornhusker gear. I made sure Nick Gates knew about knew, knew about that. You know, might have. I don't know if it would have changed. You know, the Nebraska season, but just as uh, just putting that out there. As soon as I got the call, you know, understood what college football was. I was a huge fan of Vince Young, Mac Brown, that entire you know college over there, and how they how they operated. It was you know I wanted to be in that burnt orange. Got into co- or, uh, high school, and then things kind of changed a little bit. And I realized that Jim Truffle was right down the street there in Columbus, and all the respect and pride that he had, and what that program really meant. And then on top of it, how uh, prestigious their academics are in the business school. So it really won me over, and that's why I ended up choosing Ohio State. You mentioned Nick Gates uh, before. Have you spoken with with him? Is he in okay spirits? Obviously, that's a tough injury. You got a big hole to fill, and he's well liked in the locker room. Have you? 
you spoke to him and how difficult was it losing him? Yeah, no, I, I've actually I just talked to him after the game. You know, he is a veteran guy in that locker room. He's been through Coach Judge and the system and how and what the expectations are. And so being able to have him as a truly, I mean, he's, he's not older than me. He's not, you know, experience-wise older than me or anything like that. But having that mentorship from him and how he operated and some of the, the struggles that he had within the, you know, the system or things, you know, playing next to people that we, you know, we have to adjust and whatnot. So it's been, it's been really nice having him. He's in good spirits. I don't know if I, I can't give you guys any medical uh, information on him particularly, but I know he's in good spirits. And uh, we look forward to getting him back in the building and helping the old line continue as we go throughout the season. Hey, Billy, like we said, you've only been here a month. I mean, just talking to you the short time we've talked to you, you sound like you've got a lot of leadership qualities, in my opinion. You're outspoken. You're outgoing. Do you see yourself kind of filling that role of Nick Gates? I mean, obviously, he's going to be hard to replace from a leadership standpoint, but you're the center. You're going to make a lot of calls, right? You're in charge out there. Is that a role you see yourself, you know, filling as the season goes on and you get more comfortable and, and, and play more? So that's actually the fun part about things. Irving Meyer always had the had a saying, you know, when I first got to Ohio State, Corey Lindsley, who now plays for the Chargers, he had the saying that your center is the apex. He is the front guy of your offensive line, of your offense. He's the most one of the most important pieces. He puts the hand, hand on the ball and makes sure everybody's on the same page. So that I take that responsibility and I take that role seriously. Um, again, if I'm not confident in what I'm doing and what the protection or the run scheme or you know whatever we might be doing on that particular play, then the, the guys around me are not going to know. So I've always taken that approach uh, ever since I started playing center at Ohio State. Was, you know, I'm in control. I've got to make sure everybody knows what their job is and what we're doing offensively. And I think that if everybody's confident on the front five and with what they're doing, the offense is going to do well as a whole. Hey, just for consistency's sakes, when I come up there, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary of our second Super Bowl Rams game. You need to get in a fight with Aaron Donald, okay? Because Nick Gates got in a fight with him last year. He's only 290. I mean, you're way bigger than him. You're, you can handle him. Yeah, yeah. I've had, I've had my share of Aaron Donald when I played him in London and uh, when I was in Cincinnati. Yeah, I'll be right on that and uh, make sure <laughs> I'll send you, you give me your forwarding, you give me your forwarding address for the fine and I'll make sure it's done. You bet. I got it paid for. I'll send yeah. it to Paul Schwartz. <laughs> the damage might be more than a fine if you go after that guy. You know, the, the fine might be the least of the fine. I know. I'll say the league, the league likes to protect protect guys like that. No. Aaron's, Aaron's, a very, Aaron's a tough competitor, a great guy. But, uh, you know, he does like to be a little scrappy. Now, what is, what is the loudest building or stadium you've ever played in as a visiting player? So that was actually the topic of discussion today at the interviews. Everybody was talking about how loud the Superdome is. Um, fortunately, I was able to play in the Superdome. Uh, I played I mean, in Alabama and then the 2015 Sugar Bowl. And I can definitely agree and assess that that place gets rocking. Uh, it's going to be loud. You know, every time you play in a dome, the acoustics and it just, it just rains no matter where you're at in the stadium. So, and I think somebody said today it was almost, what, 300, 600 something days since Saints actually had an, a home game with fans allowed to be there. So it's going to be intense. Again, as I told, I told folks today, you've got to be keyed in on the snap count, be disciplined with your eyes to not get tricked into, you know, moving, wiggling, false starts and stuff like that. Because that'll get us behind the sticks. And then offensively, again, we're, we're in a hole, which we've unfortunately done the last couple of weeks. The, the NFL version of that stadium versus a college atmosphere, the NFL version is way louder. I've seen both. I've been to both. The NFL version is there's just another element of alcohol, drugs, you name it, and they are coming and they're bringing the fuck for four hours. Yeah, I so I, I train with all those guys down in the offseason. You know, Eric McCoy, uh, Tron Armstead, Anders Pete, Ethan, I mean, uh, Cal Throckmorton, all those guys, all the Saints offensive linemen. And they've always said every offseason, when there's fans, when there's fans in the Superdome, 
the Superdome gets rocked. We had a question Lawrence put out on, on Twitter for a question for you, and Webby5544 says, how difficult has it been with the constant rotation of guys in that starting lineup? I mean, you talk about consistency. Um, I think offensive line and the key mark of a good player's consistency and being able to execute their job and having a consistent lineup. You see, you know, Super Bowl teams, they go through some, they go through some adjustments. Um, you know, a player might be gone one or two weeks, whatever, but, you know, a constant rotation of guys, you know, things happen, but it's, you know, the guys around you, you know, myself particular, uh, Andrew Thomas at left tackle to make sure that those guys are comfortable playing with us, uh, make sure that they're comfortable and they're brought up to speed. So, I mean, it's difficult, but this is part of the job. Could you imagine how the left guard feels? Hey, I'm being thrust in there and, you know, we're playing the New Orleans Saints or we're playing the Atlanta Falcons or whomever it might be with premier three techniques and premier defensive linemen. It, it's not easy for anybody. Again, our job is to make sure that we protect Daniel, open up clean runs for the running back, and execute up, up front. Billy, what did you see? You know, Andrew Thomas is a guy who's the fourth pick in the draft. You know, he had his ups and downs as a rookie. He seems to have stabilized a bit now. You know, when I talked to Andrew Thomas last, you know, you talk about consistency, you know, his left guard has been in one ear and out the other, right? You know, he doesn't have consistency there. What did you see from Andrew Thomas when you came in? What did you expect? I mean, he's a very high pick. What What's your sense of what he's all about? So Andrew, Andrew's very quiet. That's the that's the one, the biggest thing that you, I first noticed, again, when you start talking to a guy or you get into the room, he's very quiet, doesn't speak a lot, but he knows what he's doing. And I think that's probably the the best and best thing for me at the center is okay. Hey, you have a a guy, very knowledgeable, mature guy at left tackle who knows what's going on, can communicate it when when needed, and is able to kind of settle things down. You know, again, you, the left tackle is a premier position, and that's you know people take a lot of heat. Or you got premier pass rushers over you. You're expected again. Your top tier, what a fourth piece of the fourth overall pick. So your expectations are already through the roof. But again, what he sees, what he needs, especially when we talk about silent cadence and and some of the other things and how we ID things. He's a guy I've, I ask questions to all the time. How does this affect you? What can I make it easier for you? So I think he's doing a great job. Uh, again, I, I would consider him one of the leaders in the room as well. Although he's quiet, he's one of those guys that continues to show by example and really is able to you know earn the trust from the guys in the room and the guys in the office. Oh, and three. I know it, it doesn't sit well. Doesn't sit well with the city. Doesn't sit well with you guys in the locker room. What's what's the mentality like? I know it's to go back to work. NFL, you know, that's just how this thing works. But you guys, in my opinion, should be two and one. You really should have won the last two football games. The record is what it is. What? Give me a sense of the locker room. What's going on? Is it just get back to work? We got plenty of time, or are we kind of the sirens on and and we got to go win this game this weekend? I mean, I'd say I mean, guys are frustrated without a doubt. Uh, you see the production on offense, you see, but you also see some of the things that are kicking us right now. The two red zone trips this past season, this past week, I, I got, I get tripped up over a guard. I can't go block Grady Jarrett. Next thing you know, we got a sack and that kicks us out. And then, then we got to settle for three points. So I think it's a little, the little things that accumulate to make guys super frustrated because you've worked so hard. I mean, we've been moving the ball extremely, extremely well, walking down the field and, you know, defense has been playing well. And it's those little things that are starting to add up. And I think that's what's causing guys a lot of frustration. So it really comes, it's cliche, but it comes down to us. We have to be disciplined with it. We have to continue to strive to be better, to be better and be better. But really, it's, it's about the guys in the room, guys on, on that practice field, doing what they're supposed to do at practice and, and being disciplined, you know, especially when it comes out there on the game field. Billy, you mentioned uh, Andrew Thomas and, you know, the, the, the pressure that comes with being a first-round pick, a high first-round pick, number four overall. You also were a first-round pick. And, you know, w- when you – obviously, every player wants to be a first-round pick. You want to go as high as you can. But as you, you know, went through Cincinnati and the Bengals and then you come to your next team, the Giants, you know, you're now you're the former first-round pick. I mean, is it a 
Is it a badge of honor? Is it a little bit of an albatross? I mean, like I said, you want to be a first round pick, but the expectations versus what happened, you know, you weren't a first round pick of the Giants, you were a first round pick of the Bengals. So do you still think of yourself, I was a first round pick or I'm just a grinder? I think that's kind of a loaded question, unfortunately. Things happen for reasons. You know, those reasons you might not realize in the moment and things might really suck, but things do happen for a reason. Again, the situation in Cincinnati to where I'm at now, given an opportunity, given, you know, the ability to kind of showcase my skills and leadership to try to continue to develop into, you know, a, a great NFL player, a, a good to great NFL player. I think that's really what my mindset is. It's not necessarily, okay, hey, this is a badge of honor. You know, it, it was, you know, people people still remember that. People always talk about, oh, yeah, you're that first rounder, you know, oh, you know, oh, yeah, I can see why. But it's just to continue, continue to strive to be better and continue to do what's best for the team. And I know I think every first rounder who, you know, struggles a little bit or struggles a lot goes through that same mentality. It's, you know, things might not be perfect. Things might not, you know, you'll never reach people's expectations. Again, Andrew Thomas or, or uh, you know, people are after, you know, Daniel Jones. Okay. He was selected, what, eighth overall. Okay. Why isn't he, you know, Patrick Mahomes? So people's standards are always going to be a little miscued, but your own standards and continue to be the best for your team, the best you can be is what really matters. You had a fun quote. Uh, you said, oh, linemen are very similar kind of guys, easy-minded, relaxed personalities. Most guys dip. We all like to drink beer, and all of us have pretty good women in our lives. First off, what's what kind of beer do you like? Coors Light. Coors Light if it's cold. You know, obviously, the wife doesn't like doesn't like too much beer around, but uh, you know, just a couple, a couple after the game, take the edge off. I think is really where that question originated from. As a fellow Baldy, what products do you use? Do you use cocoa butter? You spread around there? Do you, do you shave every two to three days? I need to know your uh, routine. <laughs> I actually got to shave tonight. Actually, to be honest with you, shave in the shower. Uh, use okay. conditioner. And just uh, whatever, whatever Gillette blade is in the locker room. I've always wondered, uh, you know, I use shampoo, but do we need to use shampoo? We have no hair. So do you use shampoo or not? Uh, you know, it's always good to get the, to get the scalp clean, you know, whatever, whatever might be on there. I mean, I put a helmet on every day. So it's one of those, like, eh, or the, or the oils that you might accumulate from over the day. That's what I thought. You know, get rid of the oils. Uh, <laughs> what's your Joe Judge lap tally at? We always ask current players. Do you, do you have a tally of how many laps you've had to run this year? I haven't run a single lap. Really? Academic all week 10. That does not make mistakes. Hey, and, and, and I'm not planning on running any laps. <laughs> well, you know, coach requests it, then so be it. But no, I think, uh, again, I, the biggest thing, especially when I first started Coach Judge, was, hey, you know, you're coming here. We came and got you. Come in here and do your job. So you have a job. Hey, it, real quick, can, I, can I ask you about that, Billy, real quick? this is So did, did that – I got traded for too, and it was kind of one of those situations where I kind of knew the team didn't really want me in Kansas City. They drafted a kid. The Giants came and got me, and I tell you what, man, it really sparked my like confidence. Like it, a team wanting me, it just felt good again. And obviously, I played. You know, I had my best years ever in New York when I played there. But is that how you felt when a team came and got you? I would say at first it didn't really feel that way. Um, when you have uproot your life, and you know, I've got, I've got a wife, I've got two dogs. My wife and I are going through a particular life situation. You know, things are it's very difficult. So when you've got blinders on, like, oh shoot, I'm up. I've been away from my wife for a month, and she's trying to do things remotely. So things kind of like you know, at first you're no, this isn't really good. But now after you know being a month here, this was obviously the best thing for me. You know, the, the situation in Cincinnati is what it is. I was very grateful for the Brown family selecting me. Very grateful for the opportunity and continuing to be coached. Love my offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, out there. But again, everything happens for a reason. And I would say my confidence is indeed because, again, 
you have you are viewed valuable to this organization. They want to see you thrive. They want to see you succeed and do well for the team and produce. So it's a different perspective. And I think that it makes me feel better because the guys want you. <laughs> they really do. And that's your situation from Kansas City to here. They want you. They came and got you. You know, you have a purpose here. It wasn't like, oh, you know, we selected some other player and then they threw you in there with the, with the trade. They wanted you specifically. And I think really, it really does. Again, I put my hand on that ball and it's back to like my rookie year when I was starting and I was playing well. Hey, I'm in control. I've got confidence. I know. I'm a bad mother effer. And Let's go, Billy. Let's go. Billy's yeah. getting me psyched up. It, it, it clearly is getting Lawrence psyched up because mid-interview, Billy, and, and for our listeners, Lawrence put on his number nine Giants helmet. That's why the last question, he sounded different because he has the chin strap on currently. Yes, I'm not I'm even making this full up. helmet, Billy. I'm ready. I can't, and so, listen, I can't do much, but I got one kick left if you need one of them dumb this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll take that kick. We'll take that kick whenever you want. Uh, I know. I know. Graham back there is kicking the hell out of the ball. So we're we'll take any 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 excellent kicker. He's the yeah, man. A, he's a he's two, two Scotsman. Last one, Billy. I mean, it must be nice to get a beer after like 9 p.m. Like Cincinnati doesn't everything close pretty early. Here everything's open till 4 a.m. No, actually, um, I went to go get a beer after the Denver game and everything was closed. I was like, what the hell? What? I went to go get a beer. Oh, yeah, dude. I, they said that cause Sunday there's a blue law or something around here. I wasn't I wasn't quite sure. I came to the training, training room the next day and I go, what the hell? You guys don't drink beer over here on the East Coast? <laughs> So it was um, in Cincinnati, though. I mean, again, we had a couple of liquor stores around the thing, and I knew the managers and whatnot. So my wife would just go in there and pick it up. It'd be ready, ready and cold for after the game. So I'm looking forward to that when she gets here this upcoming weekend. So you don't have the Eli Manning uh, treatment where he has beer after every game set for him in every stadium. So we need to get you on the Eli Manning plan, Billy. <laughs> I can tell you how you do that. Let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's let, let me let me get win number one first, and then we can we can we can coordinate that one. Let's do it <laughs> Sunday. Beat beat the Saints, get the win, and let's get the beer. Billy Price B underscore Price fifty three on Instagram. Billy, good luck on Sunday. Go Giants, and thanks for coming on Blue Rush. Thanks, Billy. Absolutely appreciate you guys having me. It's time for J-Lay's plays for week four. Last week, Jeremy Layton went one and two after a three and a week four and two the last two weeks. So, J-Lay, give me your three best bets for week four. So the Ravens right now are a pick them at the Broncos. Denver has a higher DVA on offense and defense. They play the three worst teams in the NFL, like Jets, the Jaguars, and the Giants. But the Ravens, I mean, they played against a couple really good offenses in the Chiefs, Raiders, and then had a weird game against the Lions where Hollywood Brown dropped like 10 passes. They would be rated as a better offense if not for that. Should have blown out the Lions. That game was a little bit misleadingly close and on the Broncos side Teddy Bridgewater's gotten off to a really good start but he's faded in the past after getting off to hot starts and it's gonna be a shock to him honestly to play a real defense who likes to blitz the Ravens have the eighth most blitzes in the NFL and the Ravens probably want to run the ball and should keep it close and low scoring but I do think they win this game the Seahawks plus three on the road at the 49ers is a play I really like a lot Seahawks right now they have the second best offense in terms of DVOA the game against the Vikings was very very weird I mean they had a chance to go up 24-7 they had a roughing the kicker penalty the Vikings scored touchdown they didn't score again after that and that was bad but it also seemed a little bit fluky and the 49ers are kind of mediocre they're 19th defensive DVOA 16th in points allowed I don't think they'd be able to stop Russell Wilson the 49ers aren't typically good at playing from behind or keeping up in shootouts so right now the line is plus three if you want to do the plus three and a half by the point I know Jake Brown is a big fan of that either way I think Seahawks plus three is still a really nice play here I want to go with the Giants plus seven and a half at the Saints this is what they call a wounded animal game the Giants are 0-3 they're back into a corner and teams typically are feisty when they're in this position especially at 0-2 and they've been in their last two games they, they lost to the 
Washington football team on a field goal make, actually. Um, and then they had kind of just a disaster in the fourth quarter against the Falcons. It could be one and two and one right now. And the offense hasn't been that bad. They're 14th in offensive DVOA, 18th in total DVOA as a team. So this is a team that, yes, they're 0-3, but they really probably shouldn't. They're not playing like an 0-3 team. Saquon Barkley is getting back to full health. Just going to lead to a slower game. And this has an over-under of 42 and a spread of 7.5. And, and you always want to bet the underdog on a low point total with a big spread. So this a lot of reasons I do like the Giants here. Now my three-team parlay for this week. I like your pick, so I had to steer in another direction. I'm going to go Browns minus two at the Vikings. I don't understand why Vegas loves the Vikings so much, but hey, they've been proving me wrong thus far, but I think the Browns go on the road and win that game by a field goal. The Bucks in the return of Tom Brady to Gillette Stadium are minus seven at the Patriots. By the half point, take the Bucks minus six and a half. I think Brady is going to roll all over Mac Jones and company in New England. The Patriots offense has been underwhelming thus far. And then lastly, I'm going to go to that Ravens-Broncos game and do the over 45. But of course, I'm going to buy the half point and make it over 44 and a half. Both these teams are averaging around 25, 26 points a game. I don't understand why that number is so low. I think that will be a shootout in Denver. So give me over 44 and a half. Now we go to the fantasy world. Give me your three best fantasy plays this week. All right, so I've got a couple old friends for New York sports, New York football fans here. So the first one I want to do is Odell Beckham on the road against the Vikings. I mean, he looked fine on Sunday. It should be all systems go for the Browns' number one receiver. Jarvis Landry is still uh, injured. There's a high point total in this game. It's 51 and a half. There should be points. The Vikings secondary is really bad. They're allowing the sixth most passing yards a game. Last week, Odell had nine targets and five receptions for 77 yards in a game where they were absolutely blowing out the Bears. And the Vikings should be able to accrue less than 60-something total yards as the Bears did and should force the Browns to like put their foot in the pedal a little bit more and I think Odell could have 10 targets and he could maybe catch a touchdown here. He's only 5,800 on DraftKings right now so I think that's still a pretty solid deal. Second one I like, Brandon Ayuk. It appears he's a little bit out of the doghouse right now. I know he got like something like 40% of the snaps um, in week one and didn't get any targets. The snap count has gone considerably up from the first game, went from 47 to 54 and then 86% of the snaps he played in week three. So if he's going back to his normal workload, we only had six targets. He scored a touchdown in this last game. Um, but as we talked about earlier, I mean, the Seahawks should score in this game and put pressure on the 49ers to throw the ball and make something happen offensively. So I think this is the week that Brandon Ayuk finally, finally delivered people. Still a pretty solid bargain on DraftKings as well. $5,000. Another old buddy for Jets fans, Sam Darnold, I think is a really solid start this week for the Cowboys, especially if you don't have one of the top guys, you kind of need a streaming option. He's averaging 23.7 fantasy points so far in the season. It's QB 12. It's a, basically a fringe starter. And a couple things are really working in his favor here. I mean, it's going to be a passing game script. The Cowboys offense has been very explosive. 30 points per game, six in the league. Should have to throw to keep up with the Cowboys despite their defense being very good. I still think the Cowboys can be able to move the ball and score some points the Panthers and the Panthers are four-point underdogs and the OU is fairly high it's 15 and a half so I just feel like the Panthers are gonna have to throw the ball here and the lack of CMC probably means they're gonna have to rely more on the passing game so Sam Darnold feels like a very solid start and six thousand dollars in DraftKings pretty good for a solid quarterback you want to stack him with DJ Moore who's been an absolute monster I do not hate that at all And that says cheerio to episode 75, the Keith Hamilton, also known as the Hammer edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Get Blue Rush that we five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Polly Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We return on Monday following the Giants-Saints game in New Orleans. Enjoy the game and let's go Big Blue!